This is episode 458 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, a reality check for those who plan to start a Prepper homestead after the SHTF. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible books were the inspiration for this podcast. I purposely don't add bumper music to the podcast because I want it to feel more like an audiobook that just starts and provides value. So I love to learn and grow through audiobooks and Audible makes that very easy. If you're not a member of Audible, you can join for free for 30 days and start your Audible journey with two free audiobooks. The great thing about Audible is that you can cancel at any time and you keep the books that you have already downloaded. For more information, click the link in the show notes or go to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com forward slash audible. And guys, I want to add also, I received another email today about how uh, I someone can support you know Prepper Website and the Prepper Website Podcast. And I'm just going to reiterate, and I'll say again, you know, you can support Prepper Website through uh, purchasing your Amazon, um, your Amazon purchases through our link, right? And so I have links on Prepper Website, on the Prepper Website podcast, uh, on Ed That Matters. And so if you just go through, you know, any of those links that say Amazon on there and you go to Amazon, whatever you buy, we get a little percentage of that. One of the cool things recently that I've done is I've been able to connect my Amazon affiliate to Canada and also to the Amazon version in the UK. So if you are in Canada or you are in the UK, and I know that there's listeners there, um, when, whenever you make your Amazon purchase through my link, although you're go, you're you know you're in the UK and you're going from Prepper website to Amazon to your your Amazon, it will. It will, and I believe it automatically switches you out, right? So if you click on the Amazon link on Prepper website, it'll automatically take you to Amazon for the UK or Amazon.com for Canada. But, uh, you know, that will work as well. So I just wanted to let you know about that. If you are in the UK or if you are in Canada, you can also support Prepper website. I just, I don't feel like I want to do a donation button or a Patreon or anything like that. And I've never wanted to do that. And so, you know, that's just one way to do that. And then, you know, if if we have any products or things that we put out there that you feel like you want to uh, purchase, then, you know, that's always a way that you can support Prepper Website as well. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from The Organic Prepper. And this article is kind of fun. Uh, Daisy talks a little bit about some of her experiences and some of them are kind of fun and, and comical and uh, you know probably at the time <laughs> that they were happening they were not comical in fact I think she she you know she says that in here but looking back sometimes they are comical but this topic isn't comical because a lot of people think that when the poop hits the fan they're going to go into survival homesteading you know prepper mode And there's a lot of things, I know that we've talked about that before in the past, there's a lot of things to consider, just like gardening. Gardening is one of those big things that people think that, you know, they have survival seeds and and all that, and then they're ready to go, man. When the poop hits the fan, they're going to start 
their garden and then you know there's a lot more to it than just that so this is a very informative uh a very informative article it's kind of funny but also it'll help those of you who are you know hey what what am what am i going to do what are my plans when the poop hits the fan you know what what should i do maybe are there some things that i can do now that if that ever happened if i ever was in that kind of situation that I would be better prepared. So let me read this article and then I'll come back with a few thoughts at the end. Again, the title of the article is A Reality Check for Those Who Plan to Start a Prepper Homestead After the SHTF. Lots of preppers are convinced that they're going to live off the land should the world as we know it comes tumbling down around our ears. Seed banks are stockpiled, books are purchased, and people are confident that they'll be able to outlive everyone else based on the sweat of their inexperienced brows. But this may not be the best idea for some folks. If you've been at it for a while, having a homestead can be a wonderful survival plan and a rewarding lifestyle. But if you think you're going to go straight from the city to live off the land, you're in for a horrible and potentially fatal surprise. A prepper homestead is something that must be built over a period of time. It's absolutely not a plug-and-play solution, regardless of the number of survival seed packets you have carefully stashed away. Homesteading for survival is not a good plan if you have never done it before. No matter how hardworking you are, homesteading takes time. Time for learning, time for mistakes, and time for your plans to come to fruition. When you do eat a meal in which all the ingredients were produced by you on your own land, it will be the most delicious, gratifying meal you've ever eaten. But it's a long road to get there. Now, if a prepper homestead is your survival plan, let me give you some advice. Store food. You're going to have to have something to get you through that first year when your farm doesn't produce deadly squat. As anyone who has followed this blog for a while knows, my family is prone to new adventures. We've moved from a large city to a cabin in the North Woods, where I discovered I knew nothing about building fires and living in the wilderness. We drove across the continent to move from Ontario, Canada to the West Coast, where I had to rebuild my preps from the ground up since U.S. Customs would not allow us to bring our food supplies across. Another year, our adventure was food production. My daughter and I moved to a small farm, eager to polish up a new skill set and build that idealized prepper homestead that many of us dream about. After only a few months there, I realized it was my duty to announce that while raising your own food is a noble goal, it's not as easy as people seem to think. It was way harder and more time-consuming than I expected. Of course, shortcuts do exist to help you circumvent all of these issues, if you have a lot of money, you can shorten the amount of time it takes for your farm to be productive. The shortcuts all seem to cost a lot more money than the hard work method, and if you're getting into self-reliance on a dime, they may not be practical or affordable. The other issue is you may not even know the issue exists until it smacks you in the face and you're chasing a goat down the road in your pajamas, frantically waving your arms to warn approaching pickup trucks to slow down so they don't mow down your livestock. Ask me how I know this. The real truth is, raising your own food takes time, experience, and skill. It isn't something you undertake after the SHTF. If a self-reliant homestead is your survival strategy, you need to start now. 
Now, unless you're Jack, the processor of magic beans that grows to prolific heights overnight, you're going to get awfully hungry waiting for your garden to feed you. The first year a garden is grown in a new place, you learn about all sorts of foibles of your location, things you'd never know unless you have taken the effort to create your own salad bar. Some folks get lucky and end up with a lush green jungle for, from the very first season. But for most of us, well, let's just say that my daughter and I would struggle to live for a week on the calories produced by the first year's garden. We had all of the plagues this year that condemned us to gardening failure. First, we moved late in the season, but I had nurtured my veggies in buckets, so I assumed I'd transplant them and they'd magically grow. Alas, on that first night, they fattened up the local deer. If I shot a deer that got fed by my vegetable plants, would that count towards the success of my gardening efforts? Because that would substantially up the caloric bounty. So I refenced, got a big dog, and replanted. Then, like something out of a sci-fi movie, freaking gophers yanked the plants down by the roots and made them vanish. All that remained was a fluttering leaf here and there. I dug out my raised beds, laid hardwire cloth at the bottom, and refilled them. Then I replanted again. By this time, it was late July and we had a heat wave. Many of the new plants didn't survive the blazing 110 degrees days despite shade cloth and plentiful water. Some of the ones that did survive got peed on by the dog. I got to protect them from the deer and immediately withered from being drenched in urine. Did I mention hornworms? They decimated several of my tomatoes and peppers overnight. Overnight. I watered in the evening and things looked great. The next morning, half of my plants looked as though they'd been scalped. Out of a sense of vengeance, I threw those <laughs> I threw those hornworms in the chicken run to be pecked, tortured, and eaten alive. Take that, you evil little jerks. That year, all I got was tomatoes and peppers from the plants I saved. Thankfully, we're big fans of salsa and marinara, but we did not have enough to live off. In four months on my Little Prepper homestead, I basically produced a large salad. This is all part of the game, though. Next year was better because I put into place what I've learned. I got a deer-proof fence. I gopher-proofed my raised beds. I figured out how to keep my dog out of the lower beds by placing barriers at the corners after he peed on my favorite tomato plant. And once I harvested the last tomato, I got a cover crop ready to go into the beds to enrich the soil and feed my chickens over the winter. And to greater express my determination, I enrolled in a master gardener's course through my county extension office where I learned a lot that was specific to my area and climate. I did successfully grow food the second year, but not enough to feed us for an entire year. And if we'd had to live off of that first year's harvest, we'd have died of starvation in a month or so. Also, those seed banks you stashed away they're probably not going to feed your family on a long-term basis. Here's what a lifelong farmer had to say about them. Now here's some shortcuts for gardening. As I mentioned above, shortcuts are expensive and all of these may not be realistic or fall within your budget. Start out protecting your garden from all possible foragers by building a deer-proof, gopher-proof area before you ever plant a seed. Test your soil and amend it with stuff from the nursery to provide the perfect growing medium for your veggies. Add these kits to your stockpile so that you can test your soil regularly throughout the season. Take classes from locals geared towards your environment. Install a drip irrigation system. 
Pay a master gardener to help you get your garden established. And the best and most expensive shortcut? Move to a place with existing fruit trees, established garden, and permaculture fixtures. All right, so which came first, the chicken or the egg? In farming, it's the chicken. The chickens come, well, well before the eggs, like at least six months before. There's a lot more to backyard egg production than throwing some feed into a hen house or opening the door to let your birds free range and telling them to be sure and deposit their eggs neatly in the bins provided to them. First, many people start with little baby chicks. Not only are they flippin' adorable, but they're way cheaper than adult birds. You get to know exactly what they've eaten for their entire lives, which means you know whether they've been consuming antibiotics or hormones and can alter their diets to fit your personal food philosophies. But chicks are fragile. Out of my first batch of eight, five died. Five. More than 50%. I felt like an unwilling serial killer of baby animals. Since my subsequent batches have flourished with the exact same care, I suspect there was some illness from the feed store where I purchased them. Baby chicks need special food and environment that is safe from predators and a heat source so that they can maintain the right body temperature. Of course, you have to be careful with the heat lamp or you can set your coop on fire, something that very nearly happened to me, but mercifully we caught it just in time. When they get big enough, you have to teach them where the water is and put them in a safe place where they won't be eaten by predators. We have raised chickens in a large covered run and keep them protected while allowing them fresh air and some freedom and we have free ranged them. Free ranging is less work and cost a bit less but it has more risk. Free range hens often enjoy laying eggs in places other than their nesting boxes too. Keep in mind that when it's too cold or too hot, your chickens won't lay eggs. If there is a predator sniffing around the coop at night, they won't lay eggs. When they molt, they will lay fewer eggs. Hens of laying age are actually no guarantee of fresh eggs on a daily basis. So here are some shortcuts. Have a predator-proof coop built for you by someone who has raised chickens. You'll need a floor that nothing can dig under, good door latches, a sturdy top, shade, nesting boxes, and roosts. Install an automatic waterer that refills when it gets low and buy full-grown already laying chickens. All right, so moving on to milk. Everyone thinks of cows when they think of milk. A calm, productive dairy cow is a wonderful thing. However, this is not an instant kind of thing either. If you get a calf, you should know that cows should not be bred before 15 months and may not reach maturity until they are 22 months of age. Cow gestation is nine months like humans. So you're looking at about two and a half years or more before you can get so much as a drop of milk from a cow that you bought as a calf. Their poop is enormous, smelly, and draws flies, which is a problem if you don't have a lot of land for them to roam. Cows are also quite expensive to purchase and they eat way more than goats, so for the homesteader on a budget, goats are a better option. Goats come with their own set of difficulties. If you go and get a couple of female baby goats with the intention of bottle feeding them to make them friendly, that's awesome. You will succeed in having the sweetest goats around and they'll follow you around the homestead like a dog. What they won't do is give you milk for at least a year and a half. 18 months of feeding for them, caring for them, shoveling their poop, and cleaning their stalls. You should not breed a goat until she's a year old. Then, if the breeding takes, you have five months of waiting for babies. 
Then you have a couple of weeks where she's producing colostrum for her kids, which you should never, ever take. Finally, you have milk. Finally. And it's delicious. But that first glass is the most long-awaited glass of milk you will ever sip. Goats are cute, but can be a total pain in the rear. If you give them a cardboard box full of veggie scraps, they'll eat the box and ignore the veggies. They will climb on your vehicle and dent it with their little hooves of destruction. If you fence them in, they will get through, around, or over your fence. No matter how many acres you give them to romp on, whatever is on the opposite side of the fence is what they must have. Our 10-month-old goat discovered that she fit through our gate and we had to chase her down the road that led to our farm one day, in pajamas since it was morning and we weren't dressed yet. We ran hardware cloth through the bars on the gate and that kept her in, at least at that exact point. There's a project every day with goats. Here's some great information on housing your goats that I wish I'd seen at the beginning. So here's some shortcuts. Fence your grazing area with goat proofing fence. Once you've had goats, you will know that they can jump over, climb through, open the gate, or knock down just about anything you put up. Buy cows or goats that are already producing milk. You'll need more than one mama animal because A, goats and cows are herd animals, and B, you can give one mama a break while the other is producing. Plant hay. If you have enough space, you can greatly reduce your food bills this way. So let's talk about meat. Meat is also far from instant. The closest thing to instant meat is going to be rabbits. Cute, fluffy rabbits. They breed quickly and prolifically and are mature by the age of 8 to 12 weeks, at which time they can be butchered for food. Below, you can see the ages at which these animals can be butchered for meat. Chickens, 16 to 20 weeks. Ducks, 24 to 28 weeks. Turkeys, 24 to 28 weeks. Rabbits, 8 weeks lambs 10 to 15 months, goats 12 months, pigs 8 to 10 months, and cows 18 to 24 months. Of course, this is the age of maturity in the best of all possible worlds. The world that contains premium feed, the ability to pick it up from the feed store, and a controlled environment safe from predators. If your animals are free-ranging, they're going to grow more slowly and be leaner since they're working for their food. If you have selected heritage breeds, they grow more slowly still than the hybrids that are bred specifically for a speedy maturity. As you can see, this isn't an instant gratification kind of thing. Add an SHTF long-term disaster to the mix, and you're looking at quite some time before you can harvest meat. It gets even trickier when you want to develop a breeding program on your farm in order to raise your meat. Then you must add in the time for the mother animal to become mature, waiting for the right time to breed her, and then waiting for the gestation period to be over. Literally, we're talking about years before you have meat production for many species. Then there's the butchering. Are you going to be able to slaughter the animal you saw born, raised from a little baby, and perhaps gave a clever name to? Lots of people are fine with this, but many others will find that it's much harder than they expected. Humanly dispatching an animal takes experience and the right tools. Cleaning and butchering the animals is also not something you can dive right into. If you're lucky, you'll have some farmer friends who will help you the first time or two. It's an enormous job and you run the very real risk of spoiling your meat if you don't know what you're doing. So here are some shortcuts. Buy animals that are just past the fragile stage and raise them to maturity. 
Stock up on pellet food and hay for your livestock. Have your property professionally fenced. Buy a property that is fenced and contains housing for various types of livestock. And get to know local farmers and learn all you can from them. They can help you to prevent expensive mistakes. So here's a reality check. You're probably going to fail. So you might read this article and think, I'm telling you that a prepper homestead is an unrealistic survival plan. That's not the case at all. What I'm telling you is that a prepper homestead has to be created well before a disaster strikes. You have to figure out how you'll care for your crops and animals, how you'll nourish them, how you'll protect them, how you'll water them, and how you'll har harvest the food. And honestly, you'll probably fail to do one or all of these things correctly at some point. You have to learn many of these things from experience. My experience can't teach you because my setting is entirely different. You may have different predators, a different climate, different physical challenges. Every single family circumstances will be unique. The only way to predict the problems and overcome them is to experience them in the first place. And trust me, it's way better to experience failure when the feed store and the hardware store are only a short drive away. So be sure to have backup plans. While it's incredibly important to take every step you can take towards self-reliance, it is equally vital to have a backup plan. Have these things to fall back on. So a good reference, my very favorite go-to book is my well-used copy of the Encyclopedia of Country Living. But remember, reading books is not no substitute for experience and cold, hard failure. A food pantry. Have a long-term storage food. This is my favorite brand. It's non-GMO and has gluten-free options. So she, there's links here, guys, that she has. And uh, the long-term food storage, I think it's, it's great. She's linking to Legacy Food, which I, I, I talk about all the time. And then um, extra seeds. Go for heirloom non-GMO packets and store them carefully. Preparedness supplies that aren't reliant on your farming efforts. Learn to create a preparedness plan here. And then supplies and instructions to preserve your harvest. Check out my canning book here. So share your own homesteading lessons. Most of us learn our homesteading lessons through failures. Something we thought would work did not. Are you raising your own food? What did you learn the hard way? Please share your experiences from your prepper homestead in the comments below. All right, so the cool thing here is that there are 60 comments on this article. And so if you are thinking about, if well, let's say that if you are homesteading uh, right now and maybe you're just starting or maybe you're into your you know first year, second year, definitely come over here and read the you know read the comments you, you can probably learn something here it, even if you i mean people who really are have been doing it for a while will still tell you they can always learn something so definitely the comment section i think would be a great valuable resource for you but if you are one of those people that in your mind you're thinking man i would really love to homestead one day and then this article is for you again. And then the comment section, you would want to come. And the more uh, the more understanding you can put into your brain, right? Kind of wrap your head around. I think the better prepared you will be. And so you're not going into trying to homestead, you know, with, with this pie in the sky type attitude. You're going in like being really realistic, understanding like, man, I'm going to fail. And so a lot of the times I know that a lot of the other articles that I have read where people have shared their lessons, they've talked about starting one thing. So like if you if you're starting a homestead, 
definitely you don't want to try to do a garden and do goats and do this and that and and all these things all at one time. You know, try one thing, maybe one thing and get good at it. So maybe you, you do a garden and you're really good at gardening. Maybe it takes you two or three years to really get it down to where you're starting to see some real results. Then you're able to move on to something else, right? The other thing is that this is almost a full-time job, right? So if you are, you know, I know that Daisy was always writing when she was doing this because, you know, I've known her for a while. I've linked to her stuff on Prepper website for many, many years now. And so I know that she was doing this, but she was able to to write. But at the same time, she was spending a lot of time out there doing homesteading stuff. So you you need to have that ability to to devote the time to it. This is definitely not like a hobby thing, right? Something that you can do when you come home from work or on the weekends and, and things like that. So you really got to think about that. So I, I said I was going to have a couple of thoughts here at the very end. And the gardening thing, I, you know that I've shared that with you over and over again. If you have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I, I say start gardening, start doing something. Even if you are living in an apartment and you just have you know, a little patio that you can go to, get some containers and, you know, some five gallon containers or whatever, try to grow some, some food, you know, just some vegetables and try to get an idea of what it takes. You know, it would be good to come from a mindset of having an idea of how long it takes. Right. And uh, we're so used to fast food and having things so instant nowadays and, and all that kind of stuff. So you really need an idea of how fast something is going to grow and then the idea of what it would take. And then know it, know that if you go to, let's say you go to Home Depot, you, you grab a couple of big containers and you start gardening using those. A lot of the times, you know, you might be grabbing soil that already has a lot of fertilizer and thing, things in there. From people that are starting from scratch and you know if you were thinking about like going out to some land and you're not going to have that type of soil so that's another thing you need to be thinking about so but anyway regardless of all that what i'm saying is is start gardening in one way or the other if you have a little plot that you can start you know do some raised some raised beds you know even if it's a four by four just do it and see what you come up with and uh and, and see what you get from there the other thing about that is the meat. When she was talking about rabbits, now I've I've had chickens before. I've done I had two chickens in my backyard in the suburbs. They were loud, like really loud. And uh so, you know, but we had, you know, we had eggs every two uh every two every day. We had two every day is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's late. Um, but you know, there, there were predators, you know, so something got to the chickens later on. I mean, it was over a year, a year and a half that I had the chickens that, that, that happened. But I remember that very first day that I put the coop out there and I moved the chickens out there. I had the biggest hawk come and, and I wish I would have had my phone ready, but he came and he landed on the fence, on the wooden fence. And this sucker was, I'm just, I'm telling you, he was huge. And he, he stared at the chickens and realized that he wouldn't be able to get to them. And then he flew off. And I wish I would have had my camera just to take a picture. That would have been such a great picture to just show how big this sucker was. Because he was already scoping it out, you know. And so one of the things that we heard when we moved out here is if you have a small dog, you need to be really, really careful because some of these, you know, some of these uh, birds out here uh, have been known to take small dogs and, and take them from backyards. So I have a little bit of experience with chickens, 
But there's a lot of things that go into it, kind of like what Daisy was saying. And that was just two chickens that I worked with there. The other thing is rabbits. Now, rabbits would be really easy, too. So if you have a backyard, you can do rabbits. And, you know, you just there's not as much stuff that goes into it. You do need to have food for them and things like that. But they do they do breed pretty quickly. And so if you wanted to try your hand at that, you could easily do that. And, uh, you know, get a get a cage, get a hutch, build a hutch and, and and go for it from there. You know, a lot of the times there's kids, especially like in my area that do it for FFA. And then when once they go to college, you know, the parents are wanting to get rid of the hutch and stuff like that. A lot of the times they're like, we'll just give it to you if you come pick it up. And so, you know, the, you can sometimes you can find a great deal and in, in find that so you could have some rabbits in the back. And, and go from there. But anyway, I know that, you know, like my father-in-law, he raised rabbits for a long, long time. And uh, they just, they would, they had them. And every so often they would go out there and they would dispatch the animals and they had meat for a long, long time. My wife tells me stories about when she would go over and, and spend the night over there that, <laughs> that they, she wouldn't eat the meat because you never knew what she was getting, right? And so, uh, you know, that's that's something people have been doing it for a long, long time. But uh, there is that payoff there. But I guess what I'm trying to say is get the experience. So maybe you might not be able to go out to a homestead and start homesteading, you know, full blown right right now. But maybe you can get some experience. You can start some gardening, uh, you know, gardening in, in containers or maybe a small plot. Possibly you can get, you know, uh, a couple of rabbits and see, you know, test your luck at, uh, at that, you know, possibly even getting a couple of chickens and you know, with a small little coop and see if, if that would work for you as well. So there are things that you can do to kind of get some experience and that experience is, is valuable. I mean, I believe that experience is valuable. It allows you to take it to another level when you are thinking about, you know, getting bigger as far as, you know, a bigger flock, more, more rabbits, you know, having a bigger garden, you're able to, to take it to that, that next level by having a little bit of experience. You're just not going in cold. So guys, that's over at theorganicprepper.com. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes and uh, definitely would recommend that you come over. There's a lot of links and a lot of great comments. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 458. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.